This podcast is brought to you by Hound. Hound comments on style violations and GitHub pull requests, allowing you and your team to better review and maintain a clean code base. Try it now at houndci.com. How have you been, Kyle? Uh, busy. You? Busy. Should uh, we have, well, we have... not as busy as you, but... <laughs> We should have some sort of intro, right? Like, hey, What's guys, that? you're listening to Tentative. Uh, we can do that later, I guess, once we're done. <laughs> and, and just make uh, more work for them um, to put the, the end at the beginning. Yeah, I guess. I think we need to talk a little bit before we start talking about design. We don't have to tell people what we're talking about. I think we should do it. Hey, people, you're listening to Tentative. Uh, this is a podcast about everything product design. I am Kyle Fiedler, and with me is... Uh, Red the Lemon. And today we don't really have a topic. After the last episode, one of the things that you had suggested was talking about design sprints, so we could talk about that. One yeah. of the things after the last episode that I kind of wanted to talk about was... We kind of like left off at this is we went from getting feedback to kind of talking about having product focus. Um, but I feel like we dabbled in that and we didn't really talk about how we have product focus. We, we left a lot of it to this idea of, especially I, I, I keep on thinking back to you with Rototo and you having a vision and really what that vision is, is product focus, right? Like, yeah. So after doing that episode, one of my thought process was like, vision is like a really, it's like a shitty word for that. It's like the Steve Jobsian word for that, right? Like every product should have a focus and it's up to the product manager, the product leader to maintain that, that focus, which we were talking about as a vision. But really what it is, is, is it's like the better word for that is focus because most of the time you're turning turning down features instead of envisioning new ones you're you're turning down features that are popping up right yeah that's that's the biggest job of having a vision slash more likely having a focus do you think do you think that's like why this like uh, title of like product designer has become a lot more trendy is it because of that i don't know if that's the job of the product designer but i think so um, having that focus is, is the job of everyone on the team, right? So knowing what, what your product does, knowing for me, it's, it's knowing the job to be done for that product and, and clearly honing in on the problem that you're solving, knowing what that problem is and knowing what your solution is for it, um, and disregarding everything. So I think it's up to everyone on the team, um, to continually combat trying to solve different problems is basically what it comes down to is, is eventually you'll, you'll get to a point where you're solving more or you're trying to solve more. And uh, I think it takes either someone at a really high level to say, Hey, this doesn't make sense for that focus. We're not solving that problem. We're solving another problem or we're solving a bigger problem. So, yeah, yeah I think it, it, really depends on everyone on the team, but it is certainly a different skill set. Like I think the difference between a product designer, or I, I like to say digital product designer because yeah. my, my world, um, 
Yeah, I totally agree. I really have some issues with the title product designer. <laughs> like, just product designer. Yeah. But, but I'll let you finish your sentence, and we can talk about that more. <laughs> so the, the difference there is, I think, for a product, part of your job is maintaining that focus, right? Whereas if you're working on a graphic design, uh, like a traditional design, you're not having the same issues that you would... Uh, as like a traditional web designer, if you're looking at like a content heavy site, you're figuring out what content to put into that site and you're figuring out what the flow would be for people to get to that content. But it's not, I, I may, maybe I'm, I'm totally off on this because I've been designing for applications for so long, but like you're not saying no to con like the content should already be there, right? Like you yeah. shouldn't be uh, coming up with content to design around. That's that's the job of the content manager usually, right? Or is that what they call them? I think. Yeah, I believe yeah. so. It's content <laughs> management, I guess. So it's a separate thing. But yeah, I I get I get your point. I think product focus is one of the I guess the hardest things to do because it feels like you can always do more and uh, well, especially when you launch the product and you get a lot of feature requests then you can cave in pretty quickly to user, like um, we talked about this in the last episode of like mm -hmm. how to balance user feedback, how to deal yes. with it. Uh, but it becomes more noise to deal with uh, when you're doing, where you're trying to maintain that sort of product focus. Yeah, and I found like recently, I found jobs to be done to really help me out with that. I think one of the things that we do in the design sprint, which we still haven't talked about, but is we, we create a problem statement at the beginning of the design sprint for, for me, jobs to be done is that problem statement, but better. Yeah. Um, to figure out like what job your product is doing for people, um, figuring out what that job is has enabled me to, to be able to better focus the projects that I have worked on with that framework. What do you think of the titled product designer? Uh, when I think of product designer, I think of someone who designs physical things, and that's my biggest issue with it. Um, <laughs> and, and that's a career that has been well established over like hundreds of years, right? Yeah. We are still building products. They just happen to be digital, web, iOS. Yeah. Um, but they're all software. They're not like actual hardware or a physical thing. <laughs> so the question that comes immediately after this is like design is a process. So if you take the same process you use for say digital products and you move it to a physical product, wouldn't that work? Like because it's a problem solving process. So regardless of what you're building and, and I'm, I'm obviously playing a devil's advocate here. As I said earlier, I have some issues with the title, but I'm also like trying to think of what makes some people think that it's okay to call themselves product designers because they think if for some reason their company decides to start doing hardware, I don't know, like the internet of things or something like that, they would still be able to work on it regardless of whether the end result is going to be something you can touch or something you interact with on a, on a screen. Uh, so how would you counter this argument? Like that design is a process and the, the, the end result can be anything regardless of. 
So part of me agrees with that. So I agree that design, a lot of design is about process. It's about iteration. Like a lot of the cues that we've taken for some of you know our process are, come from companies like IDEO who actually do design physical things, physical spaces or physical products. And they share what seems to me like a very similar process to what we do, which is like iterate quickly, get people to test it, see how they're using it, and if it solves the problem, and if it doesn't, go back to the drawing board. Uh, the difference, the big difference to me is knowing the materials with which you're working with. Uh, so, like, I have very little knowledge of, if we're talking about designing computers, like, uh, I have no knowledge of the aluminum that, or, or whatever metal casing is going around the computers or plastic casing. I have no idea, like, about the material that will make the keys for the keyboard or the materials that are needed for the trackpad. Like I have no idea how those are made and it would take probably a long time to, for me to figure out like, okay, what's the manufacturing process? What are my constraints design wise? Like I know like Apple recently is, is really pushing the constraints of what you can do with glass, right? Like that's yeah. one of their things with their new building is that like they, they've, Patent in a way to like not not just sh- glass shape glass but it, like yeah everything. now now but. everything like gold <laughs> plastic glass aluminium aluminium that's how aluminium. Johnny Ive Sorry. I think that's how Johnny Ive pronounced it, it, it is right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah so they've been pushing the boundary for materials but I totally get your point and I this is exactly why I don't like using this title because yes design is a process. But you don't have the tools to make this process successful. Like if you don't know how to make a successful, you know, not a successful, but if you don't know how to make a watch or a bracelet, then probably you might be a good designer, but you won't be able to ship a good product unless you work with some really talented industrial designers or engineers, actually, industrial engineers. But even if you know those things, there are still some nuances that you might actually not be able to to grasp. So I guess to me, it feels a little bit presumptuous or like overreaching. I'm not sure if I'm using the right or I'm just like blabbering words to the microphone. (laughs) But what I'm trying to say is like, yeah, it's a little bit too vague and too inaccurate to describe the job you do and maybe that's something you aspire to become and that's fine but if you call yourself a product designer you should show me some real like things that i can touch and then i would probably be convinced that you're a product designer but as long as you're doing stuff for screen you're designing digital products and (laughs) so isn't that just a, a subset of product design though like what you're saying is, yes, we're still designing products, but they're in a certain form, right? Like, I, I assume within product design, there's people who specialize in like ceramic, like doing cutlery. Like, yeah. I, I assume there's someone who specializes in like wood materials, like doing desks and furniture. Like, I, I wouldn't, maybe this is totally wrong, but maybe like Johnny Ive, like, if you gave him wood, is he going to be able to do the same things that he can do with metal and glass? Yeah. But what do you think? (laughs) I can't talk about Johnny Ive, but I can (laughs) say that you're totally right. Product design is a subset of, no, digital product design is a subset of product design. But I think if I, now that I think about it, I think the issue I have is with the term product itself, because 
what is a product? Like, what if I build a what? Like, what is a product really? Honestly, it can be anything <laughs> that you can sell, right? Like, but but do we build only stuff that we sell? Like, what if we build something for an NGO or something that's not meant to be sold? I don't know some open source thing or that's why I tell uh, a lot of people that I'm I I do application design, not product design, because no matter what we're building. A web, iOS, Android, desktop application, right? Like they're all applications. Yeah. Some of them are products. Some of them are being sold, but some of them are not, right? Like the yeah. next project I'm doing is is for a company. It's for internal use only, so it technically wouldn't fit. Yeah. The, it, it wouldn't be called a product. Maybe, maybe we should look up the definition of what a product is. Well, I did, I did, and <laughs> the product is like the outcome of some process which actually makes sense if you read it that way like literally but is everyone a product designer <laughs> yeah but if you think about the way we have been using it that's kind of different it's like if you build like say uh if you build a table that's not a product i mean it, yes it, it is in a way but you build a table for personal use like you know do it yourself and I'm not sure if you can call that, oh, what do you do in, in your free time? Oh, I build products. If you say I build products, that kind of like means you're selling them. You don't say I build products for stuff you use for personal use. And I think that can be also used for software. So if you say I build software products, you're definitely something like Adobe or Basecamp or GitHub, you know, companies who build software both as a service so the, here's the other thing like what is the difference between a product and a service and why we don't call ourselves service designers instead of product designers it's kind of i don't know it feels like uh, the wrong way to call things i prefer software designer interface designer uh software interface designer things like w which are like there's less uh bullshit in in the in the title than than things like you know service though i've never heard service designer and actually i'm i'm wondering why we don't use that as much as we use product designer i'm kind of in agreement with you like one of the reasons that at thoughtbot our title is just designer is because like we used to be web designers which at the time was appropriate now totally wouldn't be but i didn't like the fact that we were pinning ourselves to the web and i also thought that like web designer as a title wasn't near encompassing enough of what we do at ThoughtBot. And, and so we just lopped off the web part of that, right? And yeah. so we're all just designers. Honestly, like I'm fine with the ambiguity behind just saying that I'm a designer. Yeah. Because all of those things that you just said describe what we do, but I'm not sure if they describe everything that we do. Like we also design marketing pages for the web applications that we build, right? Like that yeah. technically, w would you say that that's part of a product designer's role or a web design? Like, I don't know. Roles and words are, are tricky things, right? Like yeah. the hardest thing in programming is naming things, or at least that's my hardest thing. Like uh, that's one of the things that we continue to talk about with CSS is naming things. So giving our, our title, like our role, a two-letter um, title is like, 
is never going to sum up exactly what we do. And it's going to be different from company to company. Like I imagine at some companies, a product designer only does a subset of what we do at ThoughtBot, right? Yeah. Um, like never touches production code. Wait, a product designer never touches production code? Is that a thing? I've never heard of this. <laughs> I think that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> okay. All right. I, th- I feel like we're on a, a Simpsons episode, though, that we started off with, like, focus on a product, and then we're, we're ranting about our <laughs> product design title. <laughs> yeah, well, well, that's, well, seriously, there are a few topics in the design world where they're, like, rent-worthy, and one of them is, like, titles. The other one is, like, should designers code? And I think the the last one that usually is pretty good when it comes to debates is, like, uh, design aesthetics, and uh, skeuomorphism versus flat and all of that Man, jazz. we have lots of conversation ahead of us, don't we? Yeah. So what do you call yourself now? What do I call myself now? Yeah. Just the a designer? CDO. <laughs> oh, now you're a CDO. Is that like some old gaming console? Uh, I think there was something called CDO. I have um, to look it up. But what is CDO? What is Chief what Design it? Officer. Oh, yeah. Right. Chief Design Officer. Uh, which means that you, are you still a designer though? Yes, I am still a designer. And that's probably what I call myself. I I think my description of what I am, what I do changes depends on, totally depends on who I'm talking to, right? Like, yeah, I know that if I'm talking to another designer or a web designer or someone who's like proficient with web stuff or software, stuff in general that I can say, Oh, I'm a product designer. I help build, you know, web and iOS Android applications. If I'm talking to someone that totally has no idea, I tell them that I am a web designer, which is probably selling myself short, but like their understanding isn't going to be nearly as in depth as what, (laughs) what what is like the lowest or not the lowest. I would put it this way. What is like, the most mainstream friendly term you use to describe your job. <laughs> I, th- I still probably go back to designer um, and then try to explain like <laughs> um, it- my neighbor across the street is probably in his eighties. He just got a new computer and probably uses the web maybe once a week to write an email. <laughs> right? Like, and yeah. it, it's always a fun exercise to explain to him, like, what kind of stuff that I do. Because normally, like, I'll be able to say, oh, have you used, like, Facebook? That's a social application. That, that's an application on the web that, you know, enables people to be more social. And I help build not only social apps, but other types of web applications, too. And so they usually have some sort of, whether it be from Facebook or from their iPhone or something, they usually have some sort of mental model of what an application is. Yeah. But, but him, he doesn't have a smartphone. He barely uses the web. So it's like, it's fun to explain myself to him. Yeah. I think the, the one I usually use is I just say I make websites. <laughs> and a lot of people actually look at me as like, oh, that's cool. But like, so with my parents, it took a little bit more time because I had to wait for them to get used to like smartphones and apps so that they understand more what kind of stuff I do. Because when I say I make websites, they totally think of a WordPress 
very basic websites of like a landing page, basically. And this is basically what they think I do. Uh, but when I say, but now when I say like I make uh, apps, then uh, it makes a lot more sense. And uh, since they use a lot of smartphone apps, then they realize that, oh, I see. So you're one of those people who are behind this sort of stuff. So I think it feels better now that my parents understand apps more. But like five years ago, it was a little bit more difficult. <laughs> For me, having people have like a smartphone, specifically an iPhone, it's made it a little harder because as soon as I say app, they immediately think of an iPhone app. And most of my projects have still been web. Like I know you've, you've slowly made a transition to doing a lot more iOS, um, but I haven't done very many iOS projects. So like it then becomes hard for me to explain what the difference between an iOS app is versus what a web <laughs> app is. <laughs> you know how to fix that, right? No, I don't. Can you, can you let me know? Well, you can do iOS apps and that would make your life easier. <laughs> Or you can spend the rest of your life trying to explain to people what is a web app, a mobile web app, and then a native app with a mobile web view, and then a web app with a native mobile view. All right, this doesn't exist, but <laughs> it gets pretty <laughs> hairy. <laughs> it does. I'm, I'm happy with with what I'm doing. I don't know. I'm just trying to help have, here. Have your parents <laughs> played Rototo yet? Uh, no, not yet. And oh. actually, uh, just because I, I haven't like, I need to be with them so that I can explain. I, I, I think we did, we did a pretty bad job at explaining how the game works. <laughs> I admit <laughs> that. Uh, well, it's pretty straightforward, but also like people who don't play games a lot or who, who are of a certain age might find it a little bit not easy to, to play. To play. So I'm waiting for summer so that I can show them the game and, you know, have them play it compete with each other <laughs> cool. but yeah i guess i guess games will make things a little bit easier now it's like yeah i make games uh, although well i have made exactly one game but still it's uh, <laughs> people understand games a lot more i guess because like when you say application they say like like what like i get this question a lot like what is an application and then you say well facebook is an application oh i see yeah, and then like, they assume that every app that you design and build is a social application. And then yeah. so you have to take that to the next step of saying, oh, <laughs> that's a social. There's plenty of other different types of applications that you use. I always, I'm always interested to hear, like, I, I want to hear what my parents think I do. Like, when they're talking to someone else, how they describe what I do to other people. That's it. Yeah, I have I I have the, that same like feeling. I always want to like you know record their conversations and see how they describe that. <laughs> I feel like though for you now it'll be like they're going to pigeonhole you totally, but it'll yeah. be easier because they can, you can be like they can just go up to them and be like, oh well, my son makes like <laughs> iOS games. Like here's an example of one, right? Yeah, like that would be easier, I guess. <laughs> Um, but you're totally pigeonholed now as an iOS game designer in their mind, right? Yeah, but, I guess. Uh, well, I haven't told them about, like, I told them about the game, but they still haven't believed me, so they have to play it first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, really? You make games? All right. Well, we'll take your word for it. <laughs> not really. Honestly, I don't, I'm not a big fan of, like, boxing people with titles and stuff. I mean, 
you design stuff for the web, but I guess if one day you had like a chance to work on an iOS app, I'm pretty sure you will do like you will do a good job and you will because it's as long as you're designing for something you sort of understand. You use an iPhone and you as a designer you can't help but notice trends and design patterns and things like that. So I, I think, think this you, goes back to like just knowing what the materials you're working with, right? Like yeah, yeah. I have designed for an iOS app and when I did, I sat next to Gordon basically the entire time and Matt Goose here uh, at ThoughtBot. And basically like the whole time I was like designing it, I'd look over and be like, hey, is this something I can do? Is this something I can do? And I'm sure it was both annoying and good because I was learning about the limitations of the materials yeah. Uh, and that way I wouldn't design something that couldn't actually be done. And that way they wouldn't have to try and come back to me later and tell me, Hey, but I feel like that's something that we could do like as a designer, like again, going back to one of the original conversations we had is like, if you don't know the materials you're working with, can you still design something that is Good. really high quality? And I think yeah. it, it totally depends. You're relying on, someone else's knowledge. So in that case, I was totally relying on uh, Gordon Goose's knowledge of iOS development and the platform. But here's a question for you. Like as a user, can't you like, as a user know what is possible and what is not? You use a lot of apps. So you kind of, I think you you should have an idea of what what is possible and what is not. I do, but this was a couple of years ago. Yeah. I knew what was possible because I had used a lot of apps, but take into account that a lot of the apps I use are like really design heavy apps. So there's always going to be trade-offs, right? Like within the app, if there's something that I want heavily designed, but it's going to take them weeks to build, is that really worth the design there? Right. Uh, I think this was one of the things that, that has come up often with iOS is like you can easily prototype something quickly in iOS, but it's all the custom design that takes longer to build around. If, if like that's that's my understanding at least. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is one of the biggest problems I've been noticing recently with designers doing iOS. So they want to build something great, and I understand that. But I feel like most of the apps I looked at recently are overboard. Like they're thinking too much outside the box. And when you're when you're doing that, basically, you're you're you define your own medium, you define your own like material in a way. Because on iOS, the question is not is this possible. In iOS, everything that at least from a UI perspective should be possible. Like any animation, any transition, any effect, any sort of navigation should be doable. But the problem is, is this a good pattern? Is this something I want to ship in an iOS app? Is this something that's not going to break when there's a new version that comes out? Is this something that users understand? Like, this is the thing that... And I no longer look at, like, colors and icons and animations and say, whoa, this is some great work. Now, whenever I look at some iOS app, uh, my eyes quickly go to the parts that are wrong. Like... This is not a navigation that that's typical on iOS or like these icons, they don't look like they belong to the platform. Uh, yes, I know that there's like, you know, people want to maintain a brand. So they try to use the same stuff on both Android and iOS and the web. 
but I think I think a lot of designers I feel they don't do an effort to learn about the platforms and they focus more on their work and their project and their brand and the image they want to have so I don't know I, you're totally right when you say that um, you have to rely on other people to know the platform more but I think a lot of designers are not even aware of this they might not have someone to rely on though right but well <laughs> that or or they just think that it's fine to be creative and original and I think it is in many ways but I think also uh, a lot of most of the results I see recently are a little bit yeah I mean they're just too smart i guess they, i think like, uh, the ideas are too smart and no one will get them except the designer like some some weird navigation system or something like that which i don't know i think there's a time to be creative and try and come up with new solutions and there's a time to follow existing patterns like i think like if we don't try and be creative we're not going to push any of these platforms forward right like some of those sites that you now see that that like harken back to the, like the pre-web standards days where it says oh you need to look at this website in chrome version whatever seventy thousand, whatever version of chrome we're at now um yeah. and that's <laughs> it like you can't look at it in any other browser part of me is excited that people are doing that so that they're pushing browser makers to do things that they're not currently doing and part of me is dismayed at that because they're forcing me to use a browser that like technically I use that Chrome, but like if it was a different browser, like I would, I would be a little dismayed that like they're forcing me into an experience that I don't normally use. Right. So yeah. there's good and bad with that. Like, I feel like that, that should be the same way with iOS is people should be trying to push the platform forward while maintaining, you know, the existing patterns that have been established. Yeah. So, so I agree with you theoretically, but in practice, I don't see that. Like, I, most of the things I see, uh, innovation-wise, are either super not smart. Like, I see a lot of like things where you know, to 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 get this menu, you have to tap this little icon here that has like a circular menu that like fan style that comes from the top left, and it's cool. It looks nice. It shows nice on Dribble. It gets you a lot of likes. But that's a very bad idea. It's very far from your thumb. It's not as precise as a tab bar. It requires three other taps. So what I'm saying is like, I see a lot of experimentation. I see very little good ideas. And maybe that's the nature of experimentation. Like 99% per, of it is going to be garbage. And I think I should just... Uh, I should just like, you know, live with that and understand that while we're trying to figure stuff out, it could be a lot of garbage. But at the same time, I feel like the effort is being poured in the wrong, wrong direction. Like there are some subtle UI things that can be done that make the experience better that are not necessarily an animation. You know, it could be just a better like error message or something that's very mundane and no one thinks it's cool and you definitely won't get any likes with that on Ribble. But it would definitely make the experience better. And this is where I want designers to be focusing on. Like, make the little things count. And by little things, I don't mean, hey, this icon has uh, the right angle here. No, I mean, like, these little touches, like, feeling what the user will be feeling at the time they will be using the app and communicating, making the UI communicate the the state of the experience of the, that the user is having. I feel like a lot of apps are losing this, are going more towards the flashy things, which are 
you know, I think you can name them. Um, a lot of animation, a lot of like colors, and a lot of uh, flashiness. But there's no substance. Once you start looking inside, you see a lot of like missed opportunities to make a better experience, or at least to w- make something that has the potential to to make a better experience. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So a couple things. I think some of that is to do with the the types of apps you are going to download since you're going to probably be on the forefront of downloading new things. One of the things, I forget who said it, uh, but like animation in general, like the user shouldn't, like we shouldn't notice that things are animating, right? If as soon as we notice something's animating, you've done a bad job of animating that item, right? Yeah. It should be smooth. It shouldn't be like outrageous. And I think we're testing the limits of that. And I'm I'm okay with that as long as you know it comes back to the center. <laughs> uh well, yeah. I think that's part of like going back to what you were talking about before is like as designers, that's part of our experimentation, right? Like bringing it too far and then dialing it back is really a lot of what I do is like bringing my designs way too far taking a step back and looking and being like, hey, this is brought too far, and then dialing it back. So I think as a group, we'll eventually get there. I mean, if you think about something like, I, I totally agree, but like, if you think of something like the pull to refresh, right? Like that wasn't initially in iOS, and now it's prevalent throughout, right? Um, yeah. Also misused a lot. <laughs> like this is the is. problem. Uh, it's kind of like, yes, it's a really good idea. It works for a lot of situations when you have a list of items that are chronologically sorted. That that's perfect. What, everything else is is probably misusing it and not discoverable because that idea basically relies on the fact that you have data that's stacked vertically. So you want to see more stuff and accidentally you trigger it. But I see tons of designs now where there's no vertical data. Like the first, you see like a header image, a big one, and then you pull the image down and you see that thing. It's it's totally not... Well, now you can say that people are trained to, to pull down and see if there is that thing. But I think it was misused for a long time and it's still misused in a lot of cases now. But that's going to happen with no matter what pattern yeah, yeah, gets I agree. established. Yeah, is, I agree. Is misuse. But like uh, that to me is continues to be a very natural for a chronological list. It is a very natural thing to do, right? To, to yeah. pull to f- yeah, um, absolutely. It's a brilliant concept. And that like if we didn't have experimentation, that would have never have happened, right? Like that wasn't in iOS before. What was it, Tweety that that had it originally? Yeah. Well, it's like yeah, we can go on forever about this topic, but I feel like we're no longer. At least a lot of designers these days are not doing that sort of experimentation. You're like, w- what is the last time you saw an app with a really clever UI paradigm that you have never seen before? I feel like most of the differentiation I see in apps these days are focused on animations and transi- transitions, which is sometimes it's a hit or miss. Sometimes it feels good. Sometimes it feels overboard. But I feel like we're missing the uh, the opportunity of like experimenting with the right things like that's that's the way i i feel in general about ios apps that are heavily designed in a way and by heavily designed i mean not using the stock uh, ui elements like i can't i can't remember now an app i used in the last 6 months that has something as clever as a pull to refresh it's like the idea i'm trying to convey <laughs> 
or as adventurous as that. I think, though, to your point, like a lot of innovation isn't going to just, especially with applications, isn't going to just pop out like that. That seems to have, like, it's a lot of doing the small things right, right? Yeah. There's actually, uh, have you seen the Tumblr that is the, the little big details? And it yeah. showcases like all the small things that that's, apps get right. Like I yeah. feel like that is the direction that you're you're kind of talking about and going in is like these little details are what really makes a great experience yeah. and help solve the problem. And it's not the flashy, sexy animations yeah. that will really enable for a better experience. Yeah. I mean, if I can just like throw a bunch of buzzwords that makes an experience <laughs> good. Well, no, actually I'm talking like, so things like accessibility are things that make an ex experience better, not just for the people who might need accessibility. It's like for everyone. So things like working on the copy of your, of your app, that's also another, another thing that I think it's very, like a lot of designers don't think that's important, but I think it's one of the most important things we do. Also, like uh, things like using patterns that are common in the platform, so iOS or web or Android, like using stuff that's already there and you, people are used to it. Uh, like, for instance, not using hamburger icons on iOS. Now, well, you can say that it's, it's now universal, but it's still, say, people who use only Apple apps might actually never have come across that. Or, so, I mean, I don't want to make this a discussion about the hamburger icon, but I just wanted to give an example of a pattern that might not belong to the platform you're using. Like right. uh, on and It all depends on context, right? And who you're designing for and where you can do that innovation. Like for those sites that I was talking about before and potentially some applications, their target is only people who are on the forefront of technology, right? Like, yeah. Their only care is is that people on the forefront of technology, including browser makers, Apple, and whoever else, like they see that and continue to push all of our platforms forward. Right? Their goal isn't someone like my eighty year old neighbor, like who is yeah. barely on the internet. Right? So I think a lot of that has to do with context. Like if you are sure. designing a site for my 80 year old neighbor and you're doing some of those progressive things, like you better make sure that it still works for him in a really great, right. like it better be like you said, accessible for him. So it, it all like for me, it depends on the context. It depends on who's using it and why they're using it. And it, it kind of goes back to, <laughs> this is this is a nice wrap up. It goes back to focus <laughs> and having product focus on the job that you're solving and the problem you're solving, right? Yeah. Context is everything in 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 design. But when you're designing interfaces, there's the context of the user, but there's also the context of the platform. And I don't believe that focusing on one or the other is the right way. An interface is by definition an interface. It's something that's in between. Inter is for something that's in between. So it has to be balanced. You have to take into consideration who is using the app, but also what platform or what context they're using it, what technological context they're, they're using it. And I think striking the balance is sometimes tricky, but I think that's the goal we should be aiming for. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a good place to like <laughs> cut, cut this off. Mm, yes, why not? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do the closing? 
Yeah, so uh, thank you for listening, and uh, bye. No, this is not how we do it. <laughs> um, so you can find the show notes at tentative.fm slash five. Follow the Tentative Podcast account on Twitter. It's tentative.fm. Also, go to iTunes and rate the show if you enjoyed it. If you didn't, please write us an email, hosts at tentative.fm. And thank you for listening. Thank you also, Tom, for producing this show. He makes us sound better than we actually do. Yeah, thank you, Tom, for taking care of this. And thank you, Kyle, for doing this as well. Yeah, thanks. It's been fun. You're a great person. <laughs> you are too. Yeah, you're, des- you're chief sheriff or something design. I don't know. We have a sheriff. new title now. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Sh- yeah, no, that, that's something different. Sorry, I, I'm mixing stuff up. You're a design officer now. I am a design officer. Is it design officer? No, chief design <laughs> it's officer. Chief design officer. Design officer would be nice though. Yeah, I go around. I'm like a police officer. <laughs> yeah, you should wear That's like a, a yeah proper like outfit <laughs> with the badge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's, All right. Let's end this. Bye. Bye. <laughs>